Wonderful. So it's good to see you guys here again this morning. What a sweet time it is. It was interesting. My wife and I had the opportunity to go on a trade show uh, this week, and we were um, in Idaho, and we actually got to drive through Moscow, Idaho. We were kind of excited about that. Um, and, uh, you know, you kind of get this idea in Moscow, Idaho with, uh, you know, um, Christ Church and all of, all of the good work that God is doing there and these people who are boldly proclaiming the gospel that you just think, man, that place has got to be all Christian. It is amazing how dark that place is. And it was actually, honestly, an encouragement to me. And hopefully it is to you, men and women, as we look around at our place the place God has placed us to minister, to proclaim the gospel, to raise up godly families. It is a hard place. Sin is rampant and the evil one is at work. And we are not the only ones in a place like this. We have brothers and sisters, faithful men and women of God around the world in tough places that are preaching and proclaiming the gospel. Isn't that good? It is so good. Such an encouragement and we should be uplifting each other in prayer. Okay, this is session number three. Um, I am going to review. I wanted to start with a quote first from Martin Luther. Um, Martin Luther was a monk um, and not going to get married. He had a bunch of nuns on his hands after they got saved. And he was doling them out to other folks uh, to, as wives. And uh, there was one left over. And uh, praise the Lord, um, Katie... Uh, was Catherine was an incredible wife, actually. My wife was so blessed by, um, by a book about her, such an encouragement. She was such a partner in ministry, such a godly woman. And this is what, after marriage, Martin Luther said about marriage, there is no more lovely, friendly, or charming relationship, communion, or company than a good marriage. Praise God, hey? I wanted to just take a minute and just think for a minute. I'm going to review some of what we've gone over in session one and session two, but just take a minute and think on the glory of God in what he has created in marriage. Just think, men, what a sweet gift God has given you and your wife. And women, what a sweet gift God has given you in your husband. And think on what the scripture upholds as the plan and purpose of marriage, God shining forth, imaging forth his relationship of Christ and his church with two broken sinful people. What a miracle that is for God to take and redeem a relationship like that to make it reflect a perfect Christ and a broken church. Praise God. What a thing to think on. What a thing to enjoy, and what a glory to behold, a Christian marriage. Praise God. So in session number one, we were looking at God's glorious creation, created order, a one-of-a-kind relationship, marriage. One man and one woman joined together by God for life, designed to bear his image of Christ and his church, intended to bring forth fruit, children, to raise up godly children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This godly offspring is something that God desires for us as families. What a fruit that is. And God took such care in creating this beautiful relationship that we went over in, in the first session. And he comes and presents this beautiful creation, Eve, to Adam. And if God took such care in doing this, in creating this, in building this, in designing this, in gifting us with this relationship, then men and women, it is worth doing well for the glory of God. And for this dark world and lost and hopeless dying world that needs Christ, may they look upon Christian marriages and see Christ, his love in husbands, and the response, the sweet response in the wife. Praise God. Then in session number two, 
We were looking, we spent most of our time on what type of person do I look for? How do I find a godly spouse? What kind of a man or what kind of a woman should I be looking for? And we looked in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, and it's talking about he who finds a good wife, finds a good thing, or finds a wife, finds a good thing, and has obtained favor from the Lord. And had uh, fun with that. The, the incredible thing is we saw that in finds, there's activity there. Men aren't sitting, waiting for God to drop a wife in their lap. They're finding. It's an active thing. They're looking. It's an active search. A good thing. Recognizing that a wife, not what our world would define as a ball and chain, baggage, extra commitment. No. A wife is a good thing. A blessing from the Lord. A sweetness. Something designed by God as a special, perfect helper fit to her husband. A sweet thing. What a treasure our wives are. And then at the end of that verse, it talks about we obtain favor from the Lord. If you find a good wife or find a wife, you found a good thing and you have obtained favor from the Lord. Recognizing a couple things there. Number one, that a wife is favor on you, young man, older man. Man, if you have a wife, it's God's favor. Praise God. What a blessing that is. And also, too, God's favor is on the Christian marriage. So, as we have, obviously, adversity. Obviously, if anyone's been married very long, you know that there is challenge with two sinful people walking out this relationship. It's challenging. And in fact, impossible apart from the very work of the Spirit of God in our lives. But it is so sweet when God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, works on the heart of a sinful man to love his wife in a way that is not human, in a divine way, as Christ loved the church, as God works in the heart of a man to love his wife in this way, and God works in the heart of his wife to submit to him, Wow, what is the fruit of that is something that is so sweet and so glorious. It is a beautiful thing and something that we, obviously, as was said before, it's worth doing well and not just well to the absolute best of our ability. And in that pursuit, we talked about praying uh, praying and looking for a Christian spouse. Uh, there's a point of clarification here. I used a term that was, was my children, when I got into the vehicle, they were like, Dad, what did, what did that even mean? What did it mean when you said missionary dating? And I thought, man, I thought that was like really like kind of like going in with the times, missionary dating. But I guess that's not what they call it nowadays. Uh, and I was informed uh, by my sister-in-law that it is flirt to convert is the term. And that's what I was talking about. We're not looking for that, men and women. We're not looking to hopefully find a guy who's, who, is, who is, fits the standards of what the world would look for. And hopefully maybe they'll, we'll bring him to church and then they'll get saved. No, we don't look at those folks, men and women of God. We don't look at folks outside the church. We don't even look at just church goers. Oh, he showed up on Sunday. Great. He's a good option. No, we're looking for a man of God, women. And men, you're looking for a woman of God. Someone who is, knows the Lord, loves the Lord, is a disciple of Christ. A hardworking man. A man, women, that you can submit to. There was this missionary... Um, a sweet, sweet lady uh, on the mission field in, in Eastern Asia, Southeast Asia, and this, uh, she'd been serving in the mission field for a long time, and this missionary uh, man who is married came to her and said, you know, because she was uh, a pretty lady, so there didn't seem to him to be any barrier for her to get married, and he's like, man, this lady's been ministering, she's been a missionary all her life, she's never been married, and he said, why aren't you married? And she looked at him and said, you know what? I could not find a man I could submit to. Praise God, hey? That lady actually understood what God's word called her to. And women, if you're feeling that about the man uh, that you're looking at, or if you feel that about men in general, don't get married. Because 
You need to do that. That is God's command to you is to submit to your own husband, not generally men, but to your own husband. And that's just an encouragement. That's somebody who understands what God is asking for, looking for in the scripture. What kind of a woman are you looking for, men? Men, you're looking for a woman who loves the Lord, who's productive, who has that incorruptible beauty that we talked about in Peter. A quiet and gentle spirit. It's beautiful. A keeper at home, somebody who understands God's design for the roles of men and women. And by God's grace, you can love this woman and build a Christian family. That is what the goal is here. So how do we do this? And now we're going to get into actually, we have not even talked about courtship at all or dating or, or that whole thing. And I'm going to uh, go through a few passages of scripture here. Proverbs 30, 18 and 19 is, uh, is the first one uh, that I'm going to look at. Here, I'll read that for you. Three things are too wonderful for me. Four, I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin or a young woman. You see, if this was easy... And if it wasn't confusing or it wasn't baffling, we wouldn't need to talk about it. And you know what's very important here is if what we were doing as a church, if how we were arriving at a godly marriage, if we were doing that right as a church as a whole, we would have very different looking churches. We would have very different looking marriages if we were doing this well. So I just want to encourage you, we cannot date, court, arrive at marriage the same way the world arrives there. We can't do that. We don't follow Christ that way. We don't go to the world and say, hey, how may I follow Christ? We don't look at them for that. So let's not look to the world the way that you find a husband and wife. And in fact, how you get to marriage is quite similar oftentimes at large in the church, the way it is in the world. It should be different. Men and women, as we've seen before, with this beautiful relationship that God has created, it should be different than a godless marriage. Marriages in the church, men and women, should look very different than marriages outside the church. There should be this glorious reflection of Christ. Not that we're great people, not that we're any better but that Christ in us, our hope of glory, that Christ in us does this glorious work in us in the man to love his wife and the woman to submit to her husband and his favor is upon that Christian union, that Christian marriage. That's the big idea here is we are trying to figure out how do we get there. And the scripture says it's baffling. You know, we talk about this sometimes, that word Twitter-pated. Uh, that's come up a little bit. Um, it's in Bambi. That comes back to Bambi. If you ever saw the, the movie Bambi. And this little deer is uh, asking his mom and dad, what's wrong with these animals? They're acting crazy. And it's the spring. And they're, they're enamored with one another. And the cycle of life is continuing to go on. And I don't know if you've watched that, men and women. But we watch, uh, my dad would say, uh, you're just useless. <laughs> When I was Twitter-pated, when I was pursuing my sweet wife, he said, you're just useless, actually. And so that's kind of what it seems like sometimes is these young men and young women, they become uh, mentally decapacitated a little bit. And you know what? In that state, see, this is why it's really important. In that state, when you're pursuing this one, that one that you want to build this godly family with to glorify God, when you're in that state of being not as rational, not thinking as clearly, and then making a decision of who you're going to marry that's going to affect the rest of your life and... Isn't it so critical that you don't make that decision in that state? 
Okay? So this is, this is the point here of trying to get there without skipping so far ahead and being so emotionally involved and being so far down the road emotionally that you just can't make that right rational decision. We're trying to firmly establish Christian families upon the rock of Christ. We do this by righteously bringing together Christ-honoring men, Christ-honoring women in a safe, respectful, and beautiful way. So hurt and sin are given as little opportunity as possible. While we as God's church gather around this new family to encourage them to build their home by God's grace on the rock of Jesus Christ. The name is not that important. Um, you, whether you call it courtship or dating or Christ-honoring premarriage relationships. I mean, that's very long. We'd have to break that down into an acronym for sure. But courtship is an, is an easy one. We grew up in a courtship culture, my wife and I. Uh, we grew up in a, in a culture where there was a lot of legality around the name. There was, oh, 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 do you do dating or do you do courtship or 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 do you have a video after your relationship did you have a video after your relationship there was people actually making videos about their relationship and here's this is where it's very important because I'm we're not going to break down steps as not important what is very important is the heart what we're trying to do is get to marriage in a Christ honoring way we're trying to help young men and young women get into Christian marriages where their foundation is Jesus Christ, where they can build up this godly home. And if we break it down in steps, we are so good at making these beautiful constructs that make us feel so good. Oh, oh, did you know that we actually got to the altar and we didn't even kiss? <laughs> that was incredible. Oh, did you hear that? Didn't even kiss. That's incredible. That's actually so shameful. If we here would create a culture like that where there's certain things that we raise above other things and that all of a sudden it becomes this point of pride for us. Oh, did you see how we did it? Did you say how I did that? If the point is that we have Christ honoring homes, that's not Christ honoring. That's a bad foundation to start out with. We do not want to be walking in a way that is uplifting ourselves, making us feel better than other folks, making us seem or think or compare or be self-righteous or even lift it to a place of idolatry. Courtship can be idolatry. We've lived it. We've seen the idolatry of courtship, the courtship culture. That's not what we want. But you know what? That, neither did that net God-honoring relationships. A courtship culture, in some, yes, some folks, they had Christ-honoring relationships and they grew into that. But sometimes the pride was so full that God was resisting them. That's what the scripture says. God resists the pride but gives grace to the humble. Men and women, we want our foundation to be on Christ. We don't want to get there in a wrong and prideful way. So the framework. We talked last week, and this is where we ended off because I had to cut her short because of time. But we said, how do, how do we start this framework? Number one, we pray. We're asking the Lord. We find this wonderful young lady. We've, we've actively sought her. We find her. We go, hey, this is the one that I want. This is the one, Lord, that I think I want. Please convince her. And then we seek godly counsel. We talked about that quickly. Seeking godly counsel is mature, godly men and women, not peers. Then the man engages, and I want to encourage this. This is a very important step here, that God has designed authority structures. Obviously, he's designed authority in the church. He's designed authority in the family. The dad is the head of the home. He's to lead the home. All people in his home are under his authority. Part of the reason why the dad walks the, the daughter down the aisle is it is significant. It's not just like uh, there's something the dad's got to do and he's not that pretty so he has to do something no like the point is that the father is walking his daughter down the aisle and handing off that treasure his daughter that he has 
prayed and asked God and him and his wife have invested into and they've raised this godly young woman by God's grace and they're actually handing off under his authority, his daughter's under his authority, he's handing that to this young man and now she is coming under his authority as his wife. It's, it's a very intentional thing. That's just not something how we do marriage. That is the point of that. And so men... If you are going to pursue a young woman, you need to be pursuing the one who is in authority over her. You should go and engage that woman's steward. And in our, in our church today or in our world today, we have people travel all over the place. We have ladies in our congregation who are far from their folks. We have uh, ladies in our conversation, uh, congregation and men in our congregation who, who don't have folks. Uh, they're no longer uh, living or the family is fractured very badly. And so look to see who is the spiritual authority and the authority in that woman's life and go and ask them. Say, man, dad, husband, I want to pursue your daughter for the purpose of marriage. And here's, this is where, uh, is this, I diverge differently than some folks would think here. Um, young men, I think this very strongly. If you are not ready to go up to a girl's dad and say to her, I want to get to know your daughter for the purpose of marriage, you are not ready at all. You're wasting her time. You're wasting their time. You ought not do that. There is no value, young man and young woman, in just getting together and just seeing if you kind of click. In, hey, let's go do mini golf for like six months. Or let's, let's go to Timmy's once a week and do this and that and the next thing. No, young man and young women, you're looking to find out if this is the person that you're going to marry. And if that young man is kind of on the fence, not knowing what to do, then he is not at the spot where he can go and engage the affection and the attention and the emotions of that young woman. And dad, you here, dad, you need to, you need to identify that. Oh, nice. Thank you, young man. You noticed my daughter's pretty. You have eyes, uh, but you're not ready. And that's very important. And daughter, Daughter, if you're here and your dad's here, you need to submit to that authority. Your dad is not here trying to run off all the guys. He doesn't want to get stuck with you in his home forever. <laughs> we, I, I was actually, when my daughter was like small, like just, I think we a week old. My wife found me in her room crying over her crib because I was like, oh, honey, one day we're going to have to give her away. <laughs> and and uh, um, we are excited about that. But yeah, there is. There will be that, that sorrow. But I will tell you this, young men. We are praying for a young man. We're praying for four young men. We have four young ladies in our home. We're praying for two young ladies in our home. We're praying that God would raise up godly wives for our boys and godly husbands for our daughters, that they would have godly homes. And we need godly young men who have the unction and the gumption to come and approach and say, hey, I am actually interested in your daughter for the purpose of marriage. How do we get that ball rolling? Okay, well, that'll definitely start at four o'clock in the morning for sure. <laughs> yes. And you know what? I want to encourage dads here. This is a, por a part where some dads have made very bad choices in the past. And we grew up with, with seeing some of this in, a, in that courtship culture. That this is one of the things I think we should spare ourselves of. And sometimes dads make it excessively hard. Some dads set running. Some guys that were good guys. But they had this standard in their mind, you got to hit every single one of these. And if those dads would have looked in the mirror, they wouldn't hit any, they wouldn't hit those either. Men, we, we, if we have daughters that are of marriageable age, we for sure better be way better husbands than that young man who approaching us is. Of course. Of course I'm going to be a better husband than they are right now. I've had 20 years of conviction of the Holy Spirit, 
of my sweet wife forgiving me and confessing sin and working through it and bumbling through how to figure out how to be a husband for the glory of God and raise up a godly family. I've had 20 years to work on that. Of course I better be better than they are. We're not going to find a young man approaching us for our daughters who are at that stage. So, man, there needs to be some grace and tenderness in that regard. What an opportunity, man, for us to disciple those who are going to raise our grandchildren in this process. It is a sweet opportunity. And, and I encourage the men here to look at it as that. To look at this as an opportunity to encourage, to build into, to lift up, to thrust upon Christ young men who are pursuing our daughters for the purpose of marriage. Okay, young man, if you are clear on your intentions, uh, you're interested in pursuing this woman for the purpose of marriage, and once you've obtained that approval, the dad said yes. So then what do you do now? Okay, this is very important, young man, is... We talked about that Twitter-pated thing where this is coming. And for some of you, it might come very quickly. You now have opportunity. You have opportunity, and this dad somehow is letting you pursue his daughter for the purpose of marriage. And what are you going to do while you're still mentally capable? While you're not completely invested emotionally, and your mind is so in the clouds, and there's nothing that this woman could ever do that's wrong. She's incredible in every way. So here's what's very important. You need to talk. It's very easy to touch. It's a lot harder to talk. It's far more important to talk, and it's unimportant to touch. Touching, in fact, gets in your way from talking. You need to talk. You need to talk lots of things out. You need to have a list of non-negotiables. As, as a young woman, you need to have a list of things that you need to know that you're on the same page as your husband. There's things about the gospel. There's theological things. There's things about how a family should run. There's things about where you're heading in life. Do you, young man, know where you're heading in life? Where are you going? Why would a woman follow a man somewhere when he doesn't even know where he's going himself? Obviously, man, we need to be going somewhere. If we are going somewhere then we could maybe expect then this woman, by God's grace and being obedient to the Lord, would follow us there. And dads, we need to be encouraging our men, the young men that are ours, our boys, that they ought to be going somewhere. So we should talk to our men in this regard. Sons, where are you going? Where are you heading? How are you getting there? Preparing them to be active for the Lord. Where are you going? You're not going to know everything about your spouse. I just want to encourage you in that regard. Um, there's a lot of things that, uh, that we didn't know about each other. And we were married. So that's it. We're, I mean, it's a sealed deal. There's no going back. And uh, so how much you know is how much you know. And uh, it was, it was kind of, I was kind of glad that my wife didn't know everything about me because I think she might not have married me then. And I'm so thankful that she did. We don't want to be, and don't, and, and now, boy, that sounded like you could, you could have an opportunity to try to, like, deceive. That is not the point. We are not trying to deceive these women. We need to be honest. You need to ask questions. Ask questions about uh, your, this man's sexual history. Ask questions, man, about the woman's sexual history. That's important. You need to know that. Like we've mentioned every time, men and women, do you know what's so incredible about being a Christian is the gospel and the fact that our Savior Jesus Christ died and rose again that we might have life. And the wonderful thing is that we have forgiveness from past sin. Praise God that he is faithful and just. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guys, that is incredible. Asking about past sin is not to drag somebody in the mud. Asking about past sin and their sexual history is to go, young man, can you deal with that? Young woman, can you deal with that? Because that's something you got to deal with. And if you can't deal with it, then you got to end that relationship right away nicely and kindly, end that relationship and move on. 
Because if there's a sexual history there that you can't deal with, then you ought not be walking down that road anymore. It is only hurt and pain heading in that direction. Do you know how you find out who somebody is the best way? Not going on dates. Not spending time alone together. Spending time alone together. You could probably go on dates alone with this person for two years and you still just know the person they're projecting to you. Right? They got their mask on. They got the cologne on. Their makeup on. Their hair's done. It's incredible. And they're just laughing at your jokes. And you're just having a wonderful time together. But you're not seeing who they are. You need to see them at home in their native environment. That's where you need to observe men. You need to see this woman with her family. Watch her with her sisters and brothers and her mom and dad. Spend lots of time at home. Because guess what? When she's trying to present this wonderful, perfect lady that she's not, they'll be like, what's going on here? It's actually very fun. It's very funny to see. And it's, uh, I had a, a little brother. We, we were required by our parents um, to always be with somebody. Pr- praise God. It was a blessing. It's something that we naturally probably wouldn't have put on ourselves. We were very thankful for that. Um, and we, so we always had to have somebody. There was just a few times that we could be al- out alone together. Uh, but every time we took somebody, and the wonderful blessing is Justin had lots of brothers and sisters, so we could take, uh, we, we, we had like, there was always somebody available <laughs> to take. And sometimes I took my brothers, and every time I got out of the truck, my brother would jump up on the back seat and start telling Jocelyn all the things, all the reasons why she should not marry me. (laughs) You see, every Monday night, my mom and dad had a date night, and we would, uh, I would read them books. So we read a ton of books. And so he knew that if I got married, there wouldn't be any more books being read on Monday night. And so he was like, if I can sabotage this, I could still get books on Monday night. <laughs> it was very pure motives for sure. Anyway, I didn't hear that till after we were married, a ways after we were married. Jocelyn told me that it was actually very funny. I was completely unaware. But there you go. She told her how I didn't fold my laundry, how my clean laundry and my dirty laundry sometimes got in the same basket, how I didn't clean my room very well. <laughs> I mean, anyway, all these types of things that you can easily hide when your facade is on. Also, too, families, that's, that's the context for life. That's what we're trying to build here. We're trying to build a godly family, so why not build your relationship in the context of a family? It is very easy to go out and have a great time and feel like we've had a great conversation um, with two people. But when you're in a family, there can be some really beautiful, rich things that happen. Now, do you young men and young women need private place to talk about things? Of course you do. And I was so sweet. My mother-in-law and father-in-law were so gracious. They basically gave us their living room for like nine months. And they would just walk around constantly as we were sitting on the couch talking. And it was very nice. I appreciate that very much, that they did that for us. This process needs to be heading to marriage. If, if it's not, we're flirting with sin and inviting much hurt. Men and women, if you're engaging the affections of another young man or young woman and you're not heading in a focused direction towards marriage, the potential for sin and hurt is so high. In, in the body of Christ, as we have brothers and sisters in Christ who love each other and who encourage each other and we're to walk in Christian unity, if we had all these guys and girls in here uh, constantly just going through worldly dating relationships, there would be so much fraction, so much hurt. That is no good. But when a godly young man and a godly young woman come in this process, and if they come in very quickly and clearly, the man knows what he's looking for, the woman knows what she's looking for, and they get to this idea and they realize, wait a minute, There's actually a few things here. And the woman realizes, wait a minute, I actually can't submit to this man. And then she respectfully says to that man, man, I cannot submit to you. And then he goes, okay. And then that can be done. Praise God. Their hands aren't all over each other. They haven't been walking in sin. They're not having some burden of guilt and this pain and hurt. Oh, it might be a little awkward for a bit, but then they can actually in the same church be brothers and sisters in Christ and be 
unified members of the body of Christ still without that hurt and pain burden that so often is there. Oftentimes people are like, well, I have to leave the church now. No, you don't. No, if the men are godly young men and not touching what is not theirs and being kind and faithful and righteous and heading towards marriage in a godly way, then no, you don't got to leave church. She's a Christian sister. You actually, in the scripture, it says we're supposed to treat them as sisters in all purity. It says that in Timothy. And if, man, if you're treating the one you're pursuing with all purity, hey, you don't got nothing to worry about. You can hold your head high because you are highly valuing a daughter of the king, a sister in Christ. And there's no burden or worry or guilt that needs to be, uh, be on you or accompanied in that regard. The physical relationship. Um, the way that my uh, father-in-law and mother-in-law, we didn't realize this, but uh, when we started, they didn't tell us until we kind of got into it like about a week. And that was like quite long in our relationship because our relationship was quite short. So a week was a, a bit of time. And uh, so anyway, when we, about a weekend, they sat us down and said, hey, uh, yeah, yeah. And by the way, there'll be no touching of any kind. Oh, okay. Like we can hold hands. No, no holding hands. Okay. Uh, hug now and again. No, no hugging of any kind. Okay. Okay. I understand. Well, um, you know what? My wife and I would not have picked this. Uh, but I just want to say it was actually a, a hidden blessing. In fact, what can happen and, and being up in that culture, what sometimes can happen and did happen because of that, there was a lot of people who'd run around with pride and they'd wave that around as a flag. Like, well, we didn't do this. And we didn't. Well, how far did you go? Well, we only went to the elbow. Well, we went up to the, the wrist. Well, well, that's pretty good. That's better than the elbow. And so, you know, and there'd be people that would actually literally, and that's not a joke. Like I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And what can happen see for my wife and I, we were in a, um, a, I was in a church environment that was like on the way of the spectrum. And I saw this as like, this was like something I didn't tell anybody. So we were actually in a Bible study after we got married and my wife and I were sitting there and they were saying, oh, you know what? We knew this couple one time and they got all the way to the altar and they had never kissed. And I'm, I'm sitting there like real quiet. Real quiet because I'm thinking, I hope they don't know that that's what we did. <laughs> it was like, oh, I hope nobody finds that out. Kissing in front of 350 people your first time is not romantic. Um, but uh, but it, is, uh, it, was a, it was a sweet blessing that we appreciate from the Lord. And I will say this, um, there is nothing to be proud of. It is to the glory of God. God did it. I'll tell you this, left up to Jocelyn and myself, we would not have done well. I had to come and confess to my, my in-laws one day. I, um, I was sitting in a parking lot and my wife was sharing some very heavy things on her heart. She wasn't my wife yet. She wasn't mine yet, young men, as we were reminded of that. Uh, and so the woman I was pursuing and, uh, oh, my heart went out to her. She was telling deep hurt. And so I put my arm around her to give her a side hug. It was a, it was a quite a holy one. And, and I knew as soon as I put my arm around her, I knew 100%, I'm going to have to tell my father-in-law. Well, so we, we finished the side hug. We went home, went in, found him in the study. And said, I said, you know, we have to confess. And he's like, oh, and, I'm thinking, and I think he was thinking, so soon? Like, I just told you not very long ago. And anyway, we came and, and said, I'm sorry, I, I hugged Jocelyn. And he was so, I think you could tell he was so relieved. I think he was like, are you, are you pregnant? Or he was, I think he was really concerned about something different. And, uh, and so we said, listen, I hugged Jocelyn and uh, told him a little bit of the, uh, of the circumstances. And he says, well, you know, just don't do it again. And I was like, oh, phew, it, it was almost done. And then all of a sudden we hear this Mart marching into the room. And then my mother-in-law shows up. <gasps> and then she said, what's going on here? Oh no! <laughs> and then uh, my father-in-law just likes to see people in hard situations sometimes, and so he just sat back in his chair and smiled at me and goes. <laughs> so I had to tell my mother-in-law, and that was not very good. She was incredulous. I can't believe you've done this. It was actually quite a, a quite a sobering experience for a, a young guy. But you know what it did? 
boy, oh boy, when that urge came in my heart to comfort this sweet woman beside me again, I'm not doing that again. I am not going to hug this lady because I have to go apologize to my mother-in-law and father-in-law. She is not mine. The point of that story, guys, is this woman, until she is your wife, is not yours. She ought to be treated as a sister in Christ. We don't touch or treat or we don't touch inappropriately sisters in Christ. We don't, we don't need to touch them. We can encourage them. We can pray for them. We can share scripture with them. We don't need to touch them. Um, you guard that. You don't need to make a law out of it. But I want to tell you when it says in the Song of Solomon, in chapter 2, verse 7, right? It talks about don't awake love before it's time. God has made men and women in this beautiful design. He's made with that design for physical intimacy. He's made it when that starts, it goes like wildfire. And that is the point, young men and young women. God has designed this beautiful relationship, this sweet physical intimacy to happen in marriage and to happen only in marriage between one man and one woman for life. And he's made it that way. And if you want to enjoy it that way in such a sweet, sweet way, save it then. Put things around yourselves. Don't trust yourselves. Men, don't trust yourselves. Women, don't trust yourselves. Ask the Lord to give you that strength and then make wise choices of how you manage your time and your physical relationship. Timeline. How long should this take? We're all different people. We have all different families in here. Some folks, they take like, you know, a year to figure out where, where they're going to go to school, maybe. Um, or maybe longer. I, I got to say that in a way. But uh, some people are very quick. We, I take very little time to make fairly major decisions sometimes. And sometimes it's a terrible thing. But that's just how it is. And so uh, for us, it was very quick. Um, I knew within a month that this is the woman uh, I, would, I wanted to marry. I waited a long time. I waited two more months to ask her. And then, and then it was six months until there was a financial constraint put on me by my folks. Um, along the lines of, young man, if you can't take this woman to your own home uh, with a truck paid for, uh, then you can't do it. So I worked double hard to get my truck paid off and, in order to get married. So that was six months later and we were able to get married. <clears throat> Timeline... Is, is something that's going to be different for every person. Uh, I think what's very important is you should be moving as quickly as you can, as you're comfortable with. That's the timeline. Honestly, if this person is, because here's this was really important, and this is why timeline is a very important thing to talk about. Because you see, the whole thing about timeline is, is the longer you are pursuing this young woman or young man, your hearts are getting entwined. Okay? The longer that you're spending time with each other, you're praying for each other, you're, you're engaging each other in relationship, even if it's in family context, even if you're not touching each other, even if you're doing things that are honoring Christ, your hearts are getting entwined with each other. And you know what? If you're not asking these questions and if you're not moving in a focused manner up to this point, and let's say you get a year, year and a half in, and you're like, oh, actually, I, I actually just got around to talking to her about, about submission or uh, talking. No, she got around talking to him about submission going, listen, honestly, I, I don't think I can submit to you. That's a year and a half. Your hearts are so entwined. The hurt, the potential for sin is so great. Spare yourselves of that, young men and young women. Be on your knees. Be making the, a lot of these decisions before. In a group in church like this, young men, you have eyes. You have ears. You can go talk to this young lady. You can see how she interacts in her family. You can see if she's a kind woman. You see if she loves the Lord. Listen to her prayers. Send scripture. You can be engaging in a way to figure out some of these things beforehand so that you can be moving in a way where you're not inappropriately engaging the emotions of someone and then breaking it off. And that causes such hurt and such harm. <clears throat> red flags, talk about them in this timeline. If there's a red flag, young man or young woman that comes up, this is concerning to me. Don't suppress that. If there's a red flag, talk about it immediately because that red flag might get to a spot where you're like, nope, it's a deal breaker. <clears throat> Don't waste time. 
If this person is not who you will be marrying, then you are doing, all you're doing is wasting their time, your own time, and providing opportunity for sin to abound and deepening the hurt that will be experienced when the relationship ends. There's, I, I didn't go through a lot of, a lot of like little laws and rules and stuff. We wanted to hit the framework, guys. This is the framework. What's the point? The point is trying to grow a Christ-honoring marriage. We want to do that as wisely as possible, treating the, 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 this woman with such respect and honor and care. You want to do it in a way to protect the woman. In fact, young men, we actually, I don't really actually care too much about a guy's emotions. You're a man, for goodness sake. You actually need to go out in the world and make a living. You need to fight for your spot. Like, for a guy to uh, get turned down by a girl, oh, well, that's life. Uh, you're going to have that all the time with customers. I mean, it is what it is. And so, honestly, young men, men need to be a little more skookum. Would we agree, men, in here? Men ought to be a little more skookum nowadays. If we're supposed to stand up to a culture and say, quit killing our old people and our children, we ought to be able to have... A girl say, oh, no, not interested. Okay, sounds good. On to the next. Um, men, in this regard, that's where you need to bear the brunt of that emotional hit, men. The women, we need to protect our women. God says in his word, they are the weaker vessel. That means, men, you take the hit, you arrange the relationship in such a way where you're out there, you're putting yourself out there the most. You're out there to be exposed, to get hit, to get hurt. That is your job. The women, we protect. And that is actually preparing you to be a good husband. Just, just to say that. And young women, if the man is kind of not that way, red flag. Be concerned. Get good counsel. <clears throat> and, and look into that a little further. Okay. At this time, when do we proceed to marriage? Once you are convinced that this is, that this woman is a woman you can, by God's grace, build a Christ-honoring family, then you should proceed to marriage. When we wait too long, there's so much opportunity uh, for, for sin and pain. We, there was a young couple um, that came to our house very shortly after we were married, we were really close to the same age, and they, same thing, they were homeschool families, same, same thing, they were raised in this courtship culture, and I just want to explain how quickly, how quickly sin happens, and the pain of it. I was sitting there, I didn't know the guy very well, we had just finished up dinner, our wives were in the kitchen, and we were sitting at the table with our two little girls, about the same age as years and years ago, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and I, I was kind of in my mind thinking, what do I talk about with this guy? I don't really know him very well. And uh, then all of a sudden, he started crying. And guys don't normally do that. Like, you know, 20-something-year-old guys don't normally sit, sit crying together at the table. And, and so, and he just started crying, and, uh, and then he started to confess, and in through tears, he goes, I would tell anybody. I wish I could tell anybody. Uh, and then he, start, he confessed that he had had sex with his wife before they got married. And, uh, and the pain that it was causing in their relationship. And there's two things here, guys. Number one, be so careful on the time that you spend. We want to honor Christ. When Solomon said, by the Holy Spirit, don't awaken love until it's time, that's the truth. When we wait too long, when we take too, take too much time, when we have too much time alone, when we're not with other people, it is just going to happen. No man among you. I don't trust a single one of you guys, no, nor myself. No guy, given the right circumstances, will make the right decision all the time. That's just a fact. And men, that's why we need to in, 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 have the help of other folks and to be encouraged in this regard. His encouragement, that really was a challenge to both my wife and I, because we had said this, I, I'd said both my wife and I, there was a, a, we call it that fateful night, that fateful night, praise the Lord by God's grace, it was like love was awakening, 
and there was opportunity and we were both um, full of passion for one another. And by God's grace, may he get the glory on our own. End of story. Done deal. And we're not unsaved folks just trying to rip it up and, and, and world, live in a worldly way. No, this is a disciple, disciples of Christ seeking to follow the Lord. It's, it's not easy. And we need, as church, we need to encourage our young people in this regard. What a sweetness it can be, uh, young man and young woman, when you honor Christ in that regard. A question did come up, and this was, what can the church do to help build godly families? One of the best things we can do, men and women, and this was Val. Al, so Val asked this wonderful question, and so if you'd share that with her. Uh, let's uphold God's design. Men and women, as a church, that's one of the biggest things we can do to encourage our young people in this regard is let's uphold God's design with having godly marriages. Have a godly marriage. Man or woman who's married, by God's grace, have a godly marriage. That is one of the best things we can do to encourage these young men and young women. Then next, invite those young men and young women into our homes. Let's have them in our homes where they can experience family worship, have a meal, have family worship, and then kick them out. They don't have to stay there all night if, you, if it doesn't work. But guys, let's do it. Let's not just wait till the timing's right. If we always wait till the timing's right, fellowship isn't always has to be till 2 o'clock in the morning or something. We can fit it in. Because if you're getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning every morning, like some of us do in the season, you can't have folks over very late. Let's fellowship. So if it's only for a short time, make it known. Hey, we want you to come over for dinner. And then, hey, 8.30, you need to go because I need to go to bed. But do it. It's better to do that than not to do it. Men and women, that's how we can encourage folks to have our, 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 our Christian youth to be encouraged in building a, a godly home. Another thing we can do, church, is protecting our men and women from wolves. Church, when we see wolves coming into our church, we need to identify that. If we see a young man, an ungodly young man, approaching one of the ladies, man, man of God, Stand up and avail that young lady of that unsavory conversation. Walk over there as a man. Engage. Or woman, walk over there. Save that young lady from being chatted to by a man who isn't following Christ. That's something we ought to do, church. We ought to protect our young men and our young women. If we see a flirtatious unsavory young lady trying to pursue and pull at one of our young men. Young man, man, old man. Go talk to that young man. Hey, don't be, don't be confused by her beauty. Don't go for that young man. Look for a woman of God. We need to pray for our single people. We need to pray for our kids. We need to pray for our kids' spouses. We need to pray that God would be glorified in the families in our church. I just get so excited, guys. I think, and we see these little people here. I see in 20 years, can you imagine if all the kids here, can you imagine if all of these kids had godly families? Praise God. Can you imagine that? Would that be good? That is what we need to be praying for and working on and shooting towards and encouraging and reading the scripture about. That's where we need to go. Building a godly church. That's God's desire. Godly offspring. Let's do that. Men and women. Men and women, if we see a red flag, prayerfully, humbly, kindly, go to that young man or young woman that you have a relationship with and tenderly say that in a kind way. Oh, I'm, I'm concerned about this. And young person, if you hear that, you're initially going to be upset about that. But just... Rule your spirit in that regard. Take it home. Pray over it. It might be really important. And cautiously and prayerfully make open-handed suggestions of spouses for those folks who are looking for them. <laughs> it's important to make an open-handed suggestion uh, because oftentimes, this is just the fact of it, oftentimes if folks don't have uh, somebody, uh, 
there's reasons for that. Sometimes they they have d designed that or not, but I just don't don't get too focused. Sometimes I've been in those spots where you think you found the perfect match. Oh, it's perfect, but it's not. And you know what? We just leave it to the Lord, make a suggestion, and then move on and pray for him. Okay, so that is that is kind of what I have. I, I had something on on yeah. There's one more thing, and actually, Mr. and Mrs. Bronner here, and I did want to say that and. One other thing a church can do, and one thing we were so encouraged with when we went to the bronze, is uh, Mr. and Mrs. Braun have, have helped several young couples who did not have the money. They've helped with their skills and abilities to make low-cost weddings. Men and women, a, a wedding is one day. A marriage is a lifetime. Let us prepare accordingly, Okay. And may, what a blessing as a church, what we could do, men and women, if we can take our, our food and our building and we could create weddings for the people in our church, encourage them so that we send them off where they have money to put into their home and their future, not debt and bills for a huge celebration. Oh, what a blessing that would be, church, to encourage and to send them off with the full support of the body of Christ, their local church, eh? What a sweetness that would be. That's something that we want to learn from you guys. We want to learn that because we want to pass that on. What a sweet thing that we can do to encourage folks in that regard. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Are there any questions? Oh, Aaron. Well, <clears throat> if godly offspring is, is, is what's coming, and praise God, by his grace, it most, mostly should be. And if that's coming, it, it becomes very, very hard at some point for the wife to actually function in that way. Now, what's really important is you can have a really smart wife. And a lot of us men have wives that are, might be smarter than us. And that's a sweet blessing. But, but if that's the case, you can... She, she can help in all sorts of ways. Like you can bounce ideas off her and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times, sometimes what men do, and this is a lot of times with partnerships too. A lot of times men, because of a lack of confidence and a lack of trust in God, they look for another human partner or they try to throw some of their responsibility on the woman when they don't man up and stand up and take the risk all on their own. And honestly, I think... I, I encourage that a lot. Man, man of God, thrust your eyes upon Christ. Go build your, go build your business with, with, with God's strength, help, and wisdom. And let her be free to be like, to kill it at home. Right? <clears throat> yeah. 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 Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, in, in marriage, just talking about the importance and benefit of tithing. That was it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's God's command, right? He commands us to tithe, to give. The importance and benefit, I mean, um, that, that could be really long. And I know Mr. Lip, Mr. Lip probably even has some stuff online, some, like a ton of stuff online that he has on, on that. Um, I know this, that we can't outgive the Lord. And when we're obedient, he, he blesses. So will he give us every dime back we're going to give? Well, I hope not. Hope not. Um, may the Lord bless us in far better ways than money. Um, and, and I think as a man of God, you're tithing, you're giving. And as a single man, you have more available money to give a lot of times. You should be very, very generous as a single man. I think that's if you're making, you're, you're an income earner, you're working hard, you're making good money, you should be giving. And that's a great thing you can carry into your family with. But thank you for that. That's a good, that's a good um, reminder. Yes, Chris, la last one. What was, that, what was the name you gave to, the alternative name you gave to dating and recording that you were trying to say, 
Oh, you're going to try to create an acronym? Oh, it, that actually doesn't even matter. That was just something funny, actually, Chris. It was funny, but thank you. Okay, so I did say Christ-honoring premarriage relationships. It's just, it was funny. <laughs> there you go man Chris that's incredible okay let's end on that and we'll just pray and, and people are here to get, get going to church dear father we thank you that you are so faithful dear father we, we thank you Lord that you have created this beautiful relationship of marriage this relationship that you have chosen to reflect your glory the glory of our savior Jesus Christ and the way he loves his church Lord, God, may we be better image bearers by your Holy Spirit. Lord, may you do a work here at Fairview Baptist Church where there are generations of marriages built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And Lord God, may you provide husbands and wives for our daughters and husbands and wives for our young men and young women. And Lord, may you do this for your glory and your fame in a dark and broken and lost generation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.